Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Happy New Year, everybody. Here we are. 2019 is upon us in a matter of days. Amen. Thank God we made it through 2018. We're on the very brink of a new year, but even more importantly, we're on the brink, on the threshold of a new season. The emphasis this year is going to be a little bit different than what it's been like in the past couple of years. Those of you that have been with us for any number of years, um, you may remember that around this time of the year, uh, actually this year it happened in in October, I start believing God. When I say believing God, I start positioning myself uh, to hear, to expect to receive a message from the Lord way before the new year is upon us. And for the past couple of years, it's been happening earlier and earlier. Years ago, it used to be I I wouldn't get anything until that week between Christmas and New Year's. And the past few years, it's been happening sooner and sooner. And this year, it hit in October. Uh, So I've been holding on to this. I've been mulling it. I've been chewing it. I've been just letting it kind of simmer on the inside. Because this one, if we'll cooperate this year with the Holy Spirit, this one's going to be a real life changer. Um, even from the beginning of creation, God has given us indications in the earth that point to changes in seasons. We've got to be sensitive to this because, you see, it's very easy for us to get so caught up in our lives. And life is complicated. How many of you know life is complicated? It is. It is. Um, and, and it doesn't seem like it's getting any easier, okay? And, I, and, I, and even, like, people say, well, you know, you know once, you, once you start getting past 50 and Things start, you start mellowing. I haven't seen it yet. Amen. I, life just keeps getting faster and faster, and the Lord keeps giving us more and more assignments. It's like, come on, you know. I want to relax too once in a while. But with his grace, we can accomplish all things. Amen? Amen. I want to show you some principles tonight. This is going to be a, an introduction into this series. And so this weekend, uh, I want to focus in on Seasons. I want to start with that introduction. I want us to get that because we do not normally think that way. And that's why we end up carrying the junk from five years ago. We keep carrying it from year to year to year because we do not understand that God operates in seasons. The spirit realm operates in seasons. And you've got to be sensitive to that. Just think you be sensitive to you know, when you started going shopping just a couple of months ago, you started observing, oh, they got, you know, Halloween's done, and now the Christmas decorations come out already. So you're, you're, you're aware of a change in seasons. Now, our calendar year, I'm not saying to you that our calendar year is set up according to what God would set it up, because in the Hebrew calendar, biblical calendar is very different than our civil calendar. And I don't want to get into all that. But... What I do want us to be is sensitive to season changes, okay? Listen to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide 
the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons. Say that with me, for signs and seasons. Then it goes on to say, for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and so it was. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and he made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness, and God saw it and said it was good. So it seems to indicate here, and especially if you read this in the original language, I'm going to get into that in just a moment or two. It seems like when it says that God set these lights, the stars, the sun, the moon to reflect the sun, it seems like he set them in a specific pattern so that here from earth, we would be able to observe some things. He didn't just scatter them. The Bible seems to indicate that he placed them in specific positions so that when our planet rotates, when uh, the seasons change, you look in the sky in the summer and you see different stars, you see different constellations, and you see the rest of the year and the other seasons. Okay, now let's not get off into craziness because a lot, the devil took that concept and ran with it and created a whole demonic realm of thinking and philosophy that was never intended by God. The stars do not rule your life. It's the spirit of God that determines your life. Amen? So the idea of seasons is not limited to just the natural realm. Spring, summer, fall, winter. Seasons like planting and harvest exist in the realm of the spirit and are just as real as they are in the natural. The realm of the spirit operates in seasons and are as real as what we experience with our five senses. The word seasons in verse 14 of Genesis chapter one. You might want, if you're, you'd like to be a Bible student and kind of dig some things, go, go look this up because it's very interesting. That, that word for seasons in verse 14 is the Hebrew word moed, which means, it actually reads it this way, appointed times. He set the stars, he set the sun and the moon, he set these things in position and in motion that we'd be able to look at them and determine, okay, we're changing a season now, we're coming into an appointed time, a time of a divinely assigned or a divinely appointed time scheduled by God, all right? Now, we can get into a whole, I could, we could teach on months of this kind of stuff. Because you see indications all throughout the Bible of different seasons, and, and they were observed. The wise men, we just celebrated Christmas last week. The wise men looked at the stars in the sky that God had positioned when creation took place, specifically so that they would come together at a certain time, a divinely appointed time, so that when those wise men, those magi from the east looked west and saw this conjunction of stars, they knew this is what the prophet Daniel had told them about hundreds of years before. Remember that these people were descendants of those men that under Daniel studied the word of God. They knew that a Messiah was coming. They had been waiting from generation to generation. They had passed down the teaching. Someday you're going to see a star arise in the west, because if they're in the east and this star is coming in the Jerusalem area, Bethlehem area, you're looking west. And so when they saw the star rise, they knew this was an indication. 
a divinely appointed schedule time of God was about to take place. You and I are not to be so sensitive to the stars. We are to be very sensitive to the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Because the Holy Spirit will give you indicators. And you don't have to look to the sky. You look to the sun. And you'll know ahead of time when there's a shifting in seasons that are about to take place. Just like you could look at the leaves as they turn in the fall. You know, autumn's coming. Right after that's going to be winter. And hopefully if we make it, we'll see the spring. (laughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to, t- to tear to tear, and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and thank God a time for peace. It starts out for everything there's a season, a time for activity, for every activity under heaven. There's nothing that goes on in life here on this planet that is not set into some type of season. And that the most damage we can do to ourselves is to be ignorant of those seasons. The most benefit we can bring to our lives and to the lives of those who are dependent upon us is to be spiritually sensitive on the inside when a season is shifting. For instance, if, if the Spirit of God has you in a, in a season of planting and you're looking to harvest, you're in the wrong season. So people will say sometimes, I just don't understand. I don't understand why blessing is not coming. I don't understand why I'm not seeing increase in these areas. Well, God didn't lie. So if you're not seeing those promises come to pass, guess what? You may be in a different season. You may, but now watch this now. If you ignore a season of planting, there's never going to be a harvest. Why? You can't, you can't harvest something you didn't plant. So, so I'll just throw this out there. It's not the teaching this weekend, but I'll just throw this out here. If you're in that place right now where there, it's tight and you've seen provision before, but all of a sudden it seems like somebody turned the water off, ask the Holy Spirit, did my season change? And I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it. I didn't realize it. I overrode it. Amen? But look at this now. Watch now. If the Spirit of God shows you now and it seems to indicate the inside, you're in a planting season. That's good news. Why? Because what follows a planting season? A harvest season. Amen? Amen? So, to give you an example, it is up to us to recognize what season we're in. And then you and I need to operate in the requirements of that season. Every season has a requirement. For instance, if all of a sudden you sense, this happened to me a number of years ago, I sensed that the Holy Spirit was drawing me to spend time in prayer about a specific subject. And then the next shifting went where, okay, now I am to take communion 
just me and the Lord. I'm to, I'm to get up in the morning. I'm to take my little, my little cup of juice. I'm to take my little piece of matzah. And I would get by myself, and that went on for months. Well, at the end of about a three or four month season, a disaster hit a family that was connected to this church. Can't go into details. But it ended up on national news. And I looked back and I went, that was that season. That was that season. So you, if I, now, if I had not operated in the requirements of that season, we as church leadership here would not be prepared to endure that season. Are you, are you listening to me? Are you, does it make sense? It's, it, it's just a common sense thing. For instance, December 21st, we officially entered into the winter season. Like it or not, in our part of the country, you're going to have to dress differently this time of the year than we dress other times of the year. And I don't like, I, you guys know. I don't like having to wear heavy clothes. I don't like to have to bundle up. I don't like to have to put a hat on. I don't like to... But if I don't, and if we don't, a person can get very, very, very sick because there are times when we get hit with extreme cold, yes or no? So if you don't operate in the natural under the requirements of that season, you get sick. I'll never, you know, I, I say to my wife sometimes, we'll go to the supermarket, see somebody, 20 degrees outside, they got shorts on. The heck? And I say, what are they doing? And don't get offended at me. Don't throw anything at me. But it's usually somebody who's got a big tattoo and wants to make sure everybody sees it. <laughs> and then the person gets sick and you want to say to them, it's your fault. You're not operating under the requirements of that season. However, there is a benefit to even what seems like a hardship in this season. Because extreme cold cuts down the insect population. There's some insects that bury themselves. There's some that just die off. Germs and viruses, you know how it is. People get sick and sick and sick, and then you get a cold snap, and it's like you killed all those germs in here. So, so there's a benefit even to that, which seems as a hardship when you operate in the requirements of that season. Are, are you getting what I'm talking about? I'm just preparing you for the direction that I believe the Lord is going to want us as a church to, to head into in this coming year. I don't like the cold weather no more than you do. But let's face it, it's going to get colder before it gets warmer. So in each season, there may be some challenges to endure. But there are also benefits. If we accept the challenges of that season, we come up to a new level. You know, if it wasn't for the cold here in our part of the country, we'd have cockroaches this big like they have down south. I don't know about you. I don't even want to see one this big. You walk in the room with one of them that looks like they, you got a cigar in their mouth and they're talking to you, that's a problem. And that's because there's no cold. There's tropical diseases that exist in that part of, of the world, in the tropical belt that do not exist in our area because the cold Kills it off. So, so in that sense, it's like, all right, I might have to bundle up a little bit. I might have to put the heat up a little bit. But there's some benefit there. Amen? So when we operate and we come up to the challenge that God issues us, it's gonna, there may be some hardship involved. But the benefits far outweigh 
the little bit of work that we may have to do. Amen. So as I mentioned previously, uh, I believe we have a new season before us. And obviously, we've chosen to call this series, starting this weekend, New Year, New You. And in the past October, when I realized the direction and the focus that 2019 would, would take, I got one word from the Lord. And that's all he needed to tell me was one word. I knew exactly. When he gave me this word, he knew exactly where we were heading as a church. I'm not talking about geographically. I'm talking about in here in here. And that word that the Lord gave me for this year was consecration. And that could be a scary word. If you're, if you're the type of person, and probably there's nobody in here that probably living like that, but if you're the type of person that is very independent and you want to just live the life the way you want, and you want to live out your own dreams, your own plans, you want to make your own path, you're not going to listen to anything that God says, you're not going to go, you're going to go completely contrary to the Bible, you don't want to hear the word consecration. If you're the type of person who's been used to loose living, and when I say loose living, I don't necessarily mean sexual immorality, although it can lead to that. If if you're the type of person that has never developed that ability to hear the voice of God say to you, I need you to stop that conduct. I need you to start thinking differently. Now, we know automatically there's going to be challenges in this season, but... The benefits far, far outweigh. Because let me tell you something, okay? When this, when this word hit me back in October, and I knew, nobody had to sit down with me and go, hey, listen, let's discuss this and see what we think. No, I knew exactly what the Lord was telling me because he started with me. Can't think this way anymore. I want this conduct to stop. I want this speech to stop. I want you to start seeing things differently. I want you to start seeing people differently. Consecration means that you have been set apart, that you have now been taken by God, which he always wants to do with us, and be sanctified. And that's, that's a real religious term. What it means is that he takes you and says, okay, now I have got an assignment for you, and that assignment's gonna require you to make some changes. You're gonna have to cut off some things, You're going to have to walk away from some things. You may have to change some relationships. But the level of intimacy with God that comes, the level of recognition of the presence of God that comes in your life. Now, I'm assuming you want that. I'm assuming you want that. I don't know that you'd be here this weekend. I'm assuming that that's what you're here for. Because, you know, you don't have to come to church to go to heaven. We come to church so that we can learn together, we can experience the things of God together, that we can become equipped to be able to be a blessing to those outside of these four walls and not a curse. So, consecration, the act of dedicating something or someone for a special use. Usually, usually, it's sacred, it's sacred, it's pertaining to committing oneself unto God. In fact, there is no experiencing a new you without bringing every area of our lives into a place of consecration, being set apart for the master's use. And in this series, we're going to see the benefit of reigning in those areas that have been out of control. Bringing the areas of life which have been operating outside of God's influence, under God's influence, under his will, submitted to him. 
I could tell you got very excited about this. But it is so needed. There is so, there is so much out of balance in the church world. There is so much out of balance. And, that, and it's showing up in people's lives. People, some people are spinning out of control. Things that they've tolerated have gripped them, have ripped their heart out. And it just, the devil will do that. The devil will take you, take you by the hand and walk along and be nice. And then one day, it turns on you to destroy your life. Some, some people might say this sounds, this sounds like a teaching of do's and don'ts. Well, let me put it to you this way. And, and, and this statement that I'm about to, about to make to you came to me one night uh, in the middle of the night. I'd just woken up and, and thinking about this subject, thinking about a life of consecration, uh, a life that's set apart unto God, and this is what I heard. Consecration is only successful when, is it, when it is in response to the goodness of God. Let that sink in for a little bit. In other words, you'll stop, you'll stop some conduct in your life that you know is not, is not pleasing to God. And then don't look at me like that. Because I know with some people, well, you know, are my sins already forgiven? It has nothing to do with it. We're not talking about where you're going to end up. We're talking about how you live and why you're here. Are you listening to me? None of us want to be that person that somebody talks to me and says, I don't want to be a Christian because I know so-and-so, and I see how they live. Are you listening to me? And, 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 and here's another thing, and I'm determined that this year, the Holy Spirit, I'm praying, gives me permission to teach on this subject. I am determined this year that as soon as the Lord gives me permission, I'm going to teach on the subject of eternal rewards. Nobody talks about this anymore. So everybody thinks I can live any way I want because after all, I'm going to heaven. And what are you going to do when you get there? We're going to be in heaven for a long time. And then do we realize that heaven comes to earth? Heaven is a realm. Heaven's not a geographical location. Heaven comes to earth. The earth does not cease to exist. The earth is renovated. The earth undergoes major, major fix-up, just major. And then the new Jerusalem comes to earth. Jesus is going to reign here. We don't even think about that stuff because we're so caught up with, I need a bigger TV. I need a nicer car. And so the reward that you and I receive is going to be determined on what kind of life we lived after we got born again. Amen? And just because we're going to heaven, we shouldn't be satisfied. Well, you know, just take me as I am. No, he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Consecration involves cutting cutting off some things. It requires walking away from those things which harm our relationship with God. You know, just a few weeks back, you might remember, I was teaching a series based on Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And we saw that in order to have a healthy relationship with others, we've got to put God first in all areas of our lives. That's consecration. Consecration is like, okay, I, I, I love you. I am so grateful for what you've done for me. And therefore, yeah, I can do this if I want to. I can conduct myself in a way because I know you're forgiving me. However, I don't want our relationship 
to become distant. Now, now, it's not distant on his end. It becomes distant on our end. Because we know our spirit on the inside does not want us to live in sin, does not want us to live in a way that is displeasing to the Father. Jesus died for us. He suffered for us. He suffered a heart. Listen, a real person died on your behalf. A real flesh and blood human being went to the cross for you, suffered physical pain like most of us will never even come near to. I don't say this to, 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 to build some kind of a guilt trip. I say this because if we really have an appreciation for what he did for us, we would want to stay away, stay away from anything, anything that is going to harm us and anything that may put some distance between us and him. I don't care what you say. It's difficult to come and approach God in prayer or in worship or in study in the Bible when you know there's an area of your life that is glaringly wrong. And it's not like God's saying, I don't want to bother with you. He's there with open arms. It's us that our conscience just like, sometimes I, I don't know about you, but I've had areas, times in my life where I say, just I'd rather you be mad at me right now. Don't bless me in this time. And yet, what does he do? He always blesses us. And you go, oh, man, it's, I, I feel worse now than I felt before. Because you see, in our human nature, we want to deserve something. And, and we can't. Because if we got what we really deserved, we'd all be in hell. So grace is getting what we don't deserve. You listening? But that doesn't excuse us from, from having a desire on the inside of always wanting to bless God, always wanting to do something for him, always wanting to serve him as we serve others. And in order to do that, and to do it with the right heart, and to get the right results, we have to willingly, consciously see ourselves as set apart unto God. I don't know about you, Maybe, it's, maybe this isn't as pertinent as it might have been years ago. We had China in our dining room hutch, we don't even have anymore. We kept it set apart constantly. It was only used for special purpose, for special occasion. You didn't make a peanut butter jelly sandwich and then go to the hutch, get the fine china out, Get the crystal, you know, the real thin, fancy crystal, and pour orange juice in it. You used it for special occasions. That is exactly what God wants to do for us and with us and through us because we are special to him. Now, when we as humans do not value ourselves and see ourselves in that light, it makes the enemy very happy. He does not want you seeing yourself as set apart for special use. He does not want you seeing yourself and attaching the significance and attaching the value that Jesus attached to you because you were worth him dying on the cross. What greater value can be attached to an individual? I don't know. The enemy would love nothing more for you to continue, and I know there's some of you in this room that do this, continue walking around with the mindset, I'm worthless. I don't have value. God can never use me. 
I'm just here on this earth. I don't know what I'm here for. I really have no purpose. The enemy loves to hear God's creation speak that way. Consecration actually adds value to us. See, the enemy would have you to think of, yo, see, now you're going to have to follow a set of regulations. No, it's not about regulations and rules. It's about appreciating the relationship with an individual. I appreciate the relationship with my wife. Maybe I should appreciate it more and more and more. But because I appreciate my relationship with my wife, there are certain things I won't conduct myself in. Why? Because it it devalues the appreciation of the relationship I have. Do you remember the days when, when people had honor for one another? Do you remember the days when children honored their parents and their grandparents? you remember those days? Where you wouldn't act a certain way in front of your grandparents out of respect for their age and respect for their, their position? Why? You valued their relationship, but you also valued what they thought of you. That's why one of the worst things that we could say as human beings, I don't care what people think about me. Then you have no value of relationships. So consecrating ourselves. And, and again, this is an introduction this weekend. But we're going to get into this in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to start looking at a couple of areas, main areas where we usually lack that sense of consecration and we just let anything go. We're going to talk about those areas, but not now. We need to understand that this is a season that God is bringing us into. Personally, and corporately. Why? Because it seems like through the word of God, whenever the Lord is getting ready to use a group of people to make an impact on their surroundings, he brings them to a place of consecration. He begins to say, okay, you need to distance yourself from this. You need to stop thinking this way. You need to stop speaking this way. You remember when they walked around the walls of Jericho, he forbid them to speak until they got themselves to the place where they could speak the right things. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, here it is, here's the consecration, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, here's the cutting away, But be what? Transform. How? By the renewing of your mind. Turn to somebody and say, your mind has got to be renewed. Go ahead. So so the result of a mind that's renewed is that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let me read that same portion of scripture to you from the passion paraphrase of the New Testament. Beloved friends, What should be our proper response to God's God's marvelous mercy? Here's that gratitude. Here's that sense of you've done so much for me. You rescued me from going to hell. You took me out of the junk that my life was in. You set me on a stable position with yourself. I encourage you, he goes on to say, to surrender yourselves, here's the consecration, to be his sacred, watch this, living sacrifices, and live in holiness. Don't be afraid of that word. You see, because we're going to find out, I might get into it a little bit now, we're going to find out that God's grace 
gives you the ability to live in holiness. You're never going to do it in your own willpower. Live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now watch this now. Paul, who wrote this, is appealing to Jewish believers who understood the Old Testament sacrificial system. He's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to believers that came out of Judaism that that now made up the church in Rome. They understood Old Testament. Old Testament sacrifices were dead. (coughs) They had been slain. They really had no choice. Their will not to serve and not to be set apart expired when their bodies did. All the Old Testament people knew were lifeless, dead sacrifices. Jesus came to earth under the Old Testament. He observed all the rules. He observed the regulations without sin in every area of his life. He lived a life consecrated to God. He was slain under the Old Testament sacrificial system. He was the Lamb of God, the spotless, sinless sacrifice that came to take away the sin of the world. But watch this now. But this sacrifice did not remain dead. This sacrifice got up off the altar again and lives to this day. An eternal living sacrifice as an example for us, showing us that a person can be a living sacrifice. You can be sacrificed unto God, you can be consecrated unto God, and still be alive. Not have to shed your blood, because he shed his blood for us. There is a power that's available to us that brings us to life and causes us to live a life that is sacrificial, it is consecrated unto God, we do what he says. We, we do not do what he tells us not to do. We think like him. We speak like him. We act like him. You're not going to get it perfect. But our heart should be leaning in that direction. You're not dead. You're alive unto God. So if you want a new you, guess what? The old you is going to have to get on the altar of consecration. so that the new you can get resurrected. We are to be living a resurrected life. We are not to be living a dead life. Too many people come into this thing of Christianity and think, well, my life is over. I'm not going to, are you kidding me? I have never had so many wonderful adventures. Crazy, I I say stuff to my staff all the time, like, I am so glad you're here to witness what just happened because if if I would have told you without you seeing what God just did, you would never believe it. There is no greater adventure than living a life that is set apart unto God, Amen. consecrated unto God. Now, listen, I'm not standing up here presenting myself as perfect. Are you kidding me? Far from it. But I understand God's grace and I understand his power. Now, when I say I understand God's grace, listen to me. I'm not saying, I'm saying well, you know, God, I can just do this because, you know, I'm living in the age of grace and I can just get away with anything. I don't even see that in the word of God. I don't see it. What I see, grace, is I am empowering you to do something that you humanly are not capable of doing. I know that side of grace. I know that side of grace every time I come to the pulpit. 
I pray, Father, by faith, I receive your grace because in the natural, I can't do any of this. But with Christ, I can do all things, including, including resisting sin, including changing the way I think, including changing appetites, including bringing everything that I have, everything I possess, everything I have influence over and taking it and submitting it to the Father and saying, I I don't want my life anymore. I want your life. I want your plans. I want your desires. They always work out so much better. Have you found that out yet? That his plans always, come on, come on, come on. Have you found that out yet? That his plans always work out way better than ours. And we know this is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. I want to give you another scripture that you're going to hear a lot over these next few weeks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Verse 34, excuse me, 24. He who calls you is faithful. Watch this now. Here's, the, here's our hope. Who also will do it. Now, here's what I'm presenting to you as we wrap this up. Here's what I'm presenting to you. If you and I will tap into the grace of God and allow him to work through us and allow him to work in us, it becomes less painful. He comes in and changes you. Well, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't, I don't have that desire anymore. I'm not thinking that way anymore. Uh, you know, th- that individual is not grinding on my, on my last nerve anymore. Yeah, you like that one. <laughs> that only happens by the grace of God. So, this weekend, we are celebrating his love that was demonstrated for us. He demonstrated his commitment to us. You know, communion in the church age is based on Passover in the Old Testament, a celebration of God rescuing his people out of bondage of slavery. Now, now think about this. Think about this. Because I want us to now prepare our hearts to take communion. Now, think about this. The interesting thing about the whole story of Passover is God did it all. I, I didn't realize until I started praying and researching for this message. God did it all. He brought the plagues. He split the Red Sea. He led them through the desert. He did it all. The only thing that he asked is that the Israelites would worship him only. In other words, that they would consecrate themselves unto him. Once they consecrated themselves unto him, he did it all. They didn't have to lift a finger. They didn't have to pick up a sword. They didn't have to fight a soldier. They did nothing but observe and watch what God did for them. And I'm telling you, he will do the same thing for you in your life. Those things that you struggle with, those things that you think you're going to have to take them to the grave, it's never going to change. That attraction, that appetite, that lust, whatever it is, you can come to the place. If you consecrate yourself unto him and say, Father, I will worship you only. I am cutting off every idol in my life. As you help me, as you empower me, I cut, you just stand back and go, I, I can't believe this. He'll do it. Turn to somebody. Turn to somebody and say, he'll do it. At the Last Supper, Jesus described to the disciples what he was going to do. He was going to do it all over again. 
That is why he is identified as the Lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. That is why he died on Passover. That is why the Last Supper took place as they were celebrating this Seder, celebrating this victory, this Passover, this rescue, this ransom. He's, he's telling them, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to ransom you. My blood is going to cleanse you. My body is going to be pierced for your transgressions, for your sin. I'm going to take it all on myself. And I'm going to reconnect you with your creator, with my father in heaven. That is the message of communion. As we begin this journey into this new year, and especially as we begin delving even more into this subject of consecration, what Jesus offered the disciples that night was the opportunity to receive all from him, to set themselves apart unto his use. And I think it's the best way for us to head into this new year. Let us, again, consecrate, dedicate, commit ourselves unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us once again bring our hearts to him. Let us once again submit everything that we are, all of our own ideas, our own ways of doing things that may run contrary to him. Let us submit those to him. Just join me in your hearts as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, that we can come and present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We no longer want to live for ourselves. We want to live for you. We want you to live through us. We surrender every area of our lives, Father, that up to this point has been out of your will. Father, do the work in us. Sanctify us. Set us apart for your desire. Holy Spirit, over these next few weeks, I pray that you would just deal with our hearts, all of us, personally and corporately, shining the light in areas that you want to bring into submission unto the Father Almighty. We trust you to do these things, Lord. We know your grace is available to us. We know you've already demonstrated your love for us because you sent your one and only Son to suffer a horrible death on the cross because you valued us and desire to bring us in relationship with yourself. And so we receive all this. We receive all this working, the dealings of the Holy Spirit in our heart. We receive them by faith, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.